0: What is the most used man-made material on Earth? You guessed right, it's concrete. Look around. It's everywhere. Sidewalks, driveways, foundations, floors you stand on, and even entire buildings are made out of concrete. So why don't we discuss it more? In each episode of Concrete Logic, we will explore one concrete-related topic with the help from industry professionals that are shaping the future of the trade. We'll talk with suppliers, contractors, architects, engineers, specialists, and even some proponents of competing materials about their views of concrete and their vision of its future. And welcome to another episode of the Concrete Logic Podcast. And today I have Stephen Ostrowski with Trimble. And uh, we're going to talk about 3D scanning and how that relates to concrete. I'm excited to uh, finally get somebody on here to talk to me about this. Steven, do you want to give the folks a little bit about yourself and and your company?
1: Yeah. Hey, Seth. Thanks for having me. So I'm Steven Ostrowski. I am the scanning and kind of mixed reality guy. Um, I used to be product for what we have as the X7 laser scanner. Um, Moved to sales when I actually realized how easy it was that even I could sell it. So the X7 laser scanner uh, kind of works with the same tablet and software that runs uh, the Trimble robotic total station, which is pretty synonymous at most uh, construction with the line and grade team setting up and staking out. Um, but instead of laying out and collecting one point at a time, a 3D laser scanner will collect a couple million points in a few seconds um, and I've really taken a focus on the concrete industry because I, with scanning, you can actually now see live um, where the screen might be off if you don't have line of sight to laser and where, where things aren't going down flat. So I've been on many pours in the middle of the night trying to show generally it's the line and gray team or the GC who's there, um, but hopefully moving it more into the foreman or the finishing crew to kind of see, see the work they're putting down and, hopefully fixing those problems while it's still wet and, and workable. So,
0: yeah, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Uh, so we, we're going to have to educate uh, some folks because some people that listen to this podcast aren't uh, as well versed in concrete and layout and all those things you, just, you no. just shared with us. So, well, let's go back to, so uh, uh, um, layout. So right now, or not right now, but um uh, a kind of a standard way of doing layout. You have a guy that's on a instrument, uh, a total station, and he he's looking through it. It's uh, it's uh, he, and uh, usually there's a maybe one other guy on the other end, and he's got a prism. And these guys kind of use this machine to go around and and uh, pick out points around, and do uh, basically what they're doing is taking. Uh, a 2d drawing a paper drawing and they're mm-hmm. and they're laying that out in the field and what Trimble and and uh I, I would say concrete folks on the cutting edge what we're doing now is we're using like you mentioned Stephen, uh, a robotic instrument where it only takes one person to do the layout versus two mm-hmm. and this it's the same kind of total station machine um instead of having a someone behind that machine now, that machine kind of moves on its own, right? It kind of Mm -hmm. swivels around and follows the guy around when he tells it what points to lay out. Did I say that right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So Trimble is, we have software, and some of your guys might know us from estimating or like Tekla um, for concrete and steel design. But really what we are, are, we sell survey hardware. So we do, we sell traditional GPS and um, total station or measurement equipment to what used to be surveyors and now are concrete guys and so when I say the robotic total station one guy is able to lay out or essentially put the edge of concrete or anchor bolts or whatever was designed put it in the right spot in the field um, usually they do this because it reduces the number of guys to do this increases the accuracy and actually increases their speed um, so that's where Trimble has probably been around the construction industry for 10-15 years and a lot of the guys who are on the line and grade team a lot of times are are former surveyors who are helping to set up the project right Um, before they actually start putting in the concrete so um, we're the interface between the digital and and physical world as far as uh, the the sensors or measurements that are are, are able to do that Um, and yeah hopefully that makes it a little bit clearer
0: yeah and then, oh, I'm trying to think where what the next step was. So the next step, I think and and um, we went from robotics to I think wouldn't you say, Stephen, we've gone to the the 3d models. That's when the uh, building information modeling got involved um, and that took the drawings and made it into a 3d object that you can see on a, on a screen, on a computer. Um I think that was the next evolution in in field engineering or line-and-grade layout. Is that is that yeah, correct? Yeah,
1: I mean, you do see people bringing in models. I will say, at least what I focus on, especially for concrete, is generally just 2D or flat work. You need a finished floor elevation to get the volume, but um, people will now, yeah, lay out to a 3D model that's been designed through and through. Uh, but a lot of times that that enables prefab for a lot of the sub trades um, when they do that coordination model. Um, but we'll, what I actually like to work on and the problem I like to solve is either bringing in a, a PDF or just not having any data. Essentially, just setting an elevation or a relative elevation to make sure it's flat. Um, it's essentially, simplifying uh, not speaking to the to the full coordinated model because a lot of times that's not needed. It's not on site. Um, putting down either flat concrete or things in the right spot is just what we're trying to accomplish. So,
0: yeah. So, um, so once things are put in a spot, um, say so the engineers lay everything out, say you're laying uh, like a column or a floor, um, and you want to, you want to check to see if those, those, specific items, um, objects are in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's when we get into talking about 3D scanning, right? Mm-hmm. So, so once you have uh, that conc- concrete column in place or that concrete floor in place,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or even, and we're, what we're gonna talk about here in a minute is during those operations, uh, which uh, I'm excited to hear about. But uh, what we're doing with uh, this 3D scanning machine, is it's a it's again it, it's a it's a machine that sits on a tripod just like the uh, total station and the robotic station and all that stuff and it goes around and it scans everything around right it yeah. it, it, it scans and in three sixty yeah it takes degrees. a
1: panorama three sixty image um is kind of how I like to describe it but it behind that image is essentially a bunch of measurements up to eighty meters or two hundred sixty feet or two hundred forty feet. Um, with the same accuracy as the total station. So about a two millimeter accuracy. So essentially it, it'll grab everything it sees. Um, and then what you do is you just pick it up and you move it again, and it'll tie back to that previous scan. Called, that's called registration. As long as there's a little bit of overlap, it'll tie those together. And then you'll have it as-built, essentially it's what we call a point cloud. So many measurements that you can define what everything is, an anchor bolt or anything else that's there. Um, and you're able to register those two scans together, collect multiple scans, and then georeference or compare them back to a model or PDF um, on the software so you can actually see if that column has been put in the right spot or if your stairs are, are, are going to fit, right? So that's that's the as-built measurements that uh, go pretty quickly, and it's actually all done the same kind of the same system or the same software and the same workflow as your total station, um, but with just more data, so. Yeah, a
0: lot more data, because yeah. t- before that, before we started using that technology, um, I, I was a field engineer uh, at, at the beginning of my career. So we used to have the two guys go out there and you would literally hold the hold the prism in, in, in a spot and take that measurement Find the coordinates of that uh, that spot, and you would do it, you know,
1: a yeah, you couple dozen, good...
0: couple couple dozen times. But there is no way you're doing it as much as that robotic. Yeah, and you better uh, have
1: good field notes because you're not if you don't <laughs> write exactly where you took that measurement. If you did an offset, you have no idea, right?
0: So. Yeah. So we've gone light years beyond beyond that. So now we're t- taking, like you're saying, millions and millions and millions of d- data sets. That's being collected with this scanner. And it's essentially what it's creating a 3D model of the existing conditions, right? Is that a good way to put it?
1: Yep, perfectly. So, yeah,
0: so you have the as built condition uh, to, you were saying, within a couple millimeters.
1: Yeah. Is that. Eighth or 16th, um, it kind of depends on your survey practices too. So the the scanner will use a laser pointer like your total station. And with surveying, uh, it depends on workflows and, and best practices. Um, but most people, yeah, a quarter inch is the worst, usually an eighth or a 16th. You can kind of get the measurements too. So Yeah.
0: And um, so... And what I've seen in the past, Stephen, is you can actually go in there, and I, I'm not well-versed in with the, the different software you use, but you can go in there and put in your concrete tolerances and tell it what your tolerances
1: are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so the, the scanner will self-level, so it'll just start off by itself, and it self-levels to three seconds. So um, if you're looking at your tolerance as far as up and down, you can just look at an elevation map, and it's going to show you red is high, blue is low. If you have to be within a quarter inch over uh, hundred yards, you're going to see where you need to flatten it off. If you didn't pour enough concrete, generally you're always, it's a little bit harder to add more. Um, but if you're, if you're high, you can always uh, bump cut it. So uh, you can just view it right there and hopefully within three to five minutes actually uh, collect see that data and then fix the problem that would be there. Um, most of the time, as I've been on a concrete pour, uh, 90, 90, 95% of a floor goes great. The screed will always have good line of sight back to um, a laser, right? But then it's the last 5%. And that's usually what defines the floor as being bad is the bad spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this is able to catch very easily and very quickly um, as far as seeing that. So,
0: Yeah, so what Stephen's describing is during the – uh, concrete pour, a uh, floor pour, is we we use a, a machine, a laser screed. That uh, it's a machine that it's uh, taking data from another laser and it's self. It's leveling based on where where that laser is. So the the machine knows where it needs to push the concrete and level the concrete.
1: Um, Keeping it at a set elevation, right? And yeah. then rather than having a bunch of guys doing it manually, this kind of does it automatically. Yeah. have a bunch of guys doing it manually, you can do the same thing. But generally when you're putting concrete down or something flat, you just want to keep it to a certain elevation, have it all be there. Um, a lot of times now it's a it's the poor 25,000, 50,000 square foot, and they'll be really spot on by just doing that and having well, a couple – couple hundred trucks come in pour some concrete down but there's always bad spots and usually uh depending on the client they will want it flat for different reasons to make the rest of the building go smoother so the concrete guys are in and out generally pretty quickly although um cost-wise it's what a third of most projects is what i've what i've heard um but the rest of the subs that go in after it may require that the um the floor be flat for whatever they're putting in. So um, what we're trying to do with the scanning is A, make sure everything's in the right spot. So that goes in a little bit faster, but then also make sure that everything is also flat or vertical. If you're looking at a elevator core, you can do the same thing or a stair core, um, just with this app's built measurements. And my goal really with the scanner or with what the tools we have is to be actionable when you when you actually look at that data. So if you're putting a, Elevator core up and you keep moving up, you want to make sure that you're not leaning or going in and out. and You're staying within tolerance uh, mm-hmm. vertically. And our tools help help people do that.
0: Yeah. No, it's really, really cool, especially if you can get real-time data. Because before we, uh, that technology was available, what would happen is you pour the floor and and then, it, you know, it would cure, harden up. And then you would. Uh, there was an instrument that you manually walk across the floor, and we call it walking the dog. And it basically takes measurements of the ups and downs of the floor. And there's tolerances that we have to be in. And like Stephen was sharing, depending on the customer, uh, it can be not so no, not so hard to make those tolerances. Mm-hmm. And then you got some customers like an Amazon that there's there. It's pretty high. Um, a high bar to hit as a finisher uh, to, to match those tolerances and that it's the floor flatness and uh, go ahead. Steve. Oh
1: yeah. Sorry. I didn't even realize that's the tolerances that you were referring to. So the, yeah, the FFFL or a floor flatness and floor yeah. levelness. Um, yeah. We can do the same report. Now, usually what will happen is there will be the GC and concrete and then a third party will do this report using another instrument called right. like a dipstick or an F meter. And they just take a measurement every one foot and compare those back to each other for floor flatness. And then for floor levelness, we'll be over a larger span. Um, And we can do that live actually with the scanner and the software in the field. So you can get an idea of your FFFL. Um, Usually what'll happen, you still need the third party to contractually sign off on what's good and what's not. Um, But the concrete contractor or the GC can look at what their floors will score. Um, right there. So they'll have that written out in the spec of uh, depending, most floors, a lot of the larger floors will have it just to make sure that you're not getting back uh, kind of a wave pool. Um, they want to make sure it's pretty flat, but then as you go into certain warehouses or data centers or um, hospitals, they'll, they need it to a certain flatness spec. So we can do that. Um, draw the lines the same way and actually replicate what the D meter or F meter will want. Um, but usually what I try and preach is even before you get to that part, which is a, you're, you're generally doing that after you're floating it when it's, when the concrete's really flat and it's a little more difficult to, to work with. I'm trying to tell you to scan even before that too. So you can make sure that it's, you can still hit those numbers. Um, generally your FF or your, your one foot won't be really great until you actually float it. Um, but you're up you should be able to catch your FLs if they're bad and you can, how you're finishing work and the guys who are out there are riding on the trails and then, um, floating it. They're they're the guys who can get you the really good FF or essentially smooth, but the FL is usually dependent before that, which is, um, how level that concrete goes down, which involves the trucks and the movement of a lot of material and putting it down well. So,
0: So, yeah. So what you're, you're helping, uh, Concrete contractors do is prevent what typically would happen is if if you don't meet those requirements, then there's there's more work to be done to get it to those, and it yeah. might be it might be leveling it with another product, or it might be rip it out and redo it, yeah. uh, depending on what it what it is. So, uh,
1: do you that, guys have to grind ever too? Or oh that yeah, grind yeah, hard yeah. deck right, so that always cost a lot more and <laughs> yeah. So, um,
0: so doing it during the pour, um, which, uh, prevents that rework. So you can, uh, work, uh, know what you're putting down and know where you're at mm-hmm. before that concrete sets up and where you need to, where, what areas you need to bring up or bring down to meet, meet those yeah. toler- tolerances. Um, so that way, when you walk away from the pour you know that you're good and so when that third party guy comes back the following day uh and does his measurements you're confident and usually and you, if everything yeah. works out well right steven yeah <laughs> it, you it, that, usually
1: tell them where to test too i mean yeah. they they know they're gonna do do what the the test says which is well distributed but you can even if, if you fail one line or a local you can actually show the owner like hey the rest of this floor is great this is a reason why this area didn't go well there's a lot of stub ups or whatever it is. And generally you can still get it through, but um, my other goal with it is after you're done, you have a timestamp, right? Your concrete's gonna occur here, it's it's alive, it's always moving, right? It's a living organism that's kind of getting rid of some moisture, but you have a timestamp of what you handed over at the end of that pour. And generally within three days, that's when they have to test it. Um, And ideally you shouldn't have to drive back out to the site when the uh the framers going in and his door keeps hitting right he goes to open up a door and it, it keeps scraping along the bottom where the gc might call you guys back to try and flatten it out or say this wasn't good enough you actually can say like no it was when we were done and we handed it to you so there's no more there's no more trips back out or repetitive trips back out to the site and yeah. so that that's my that's the other big sell with it too it's just concrete guys are you got to move on to the the next pour and generally you're off a of job and on to the next one too um, GCs will stick around and kind of hold that money too for a while so if you have a snapshot of what's there you you know you know what you did was good too so
0: yeah because what Steven's getting at is once you put the concrete down if uh, if say the, if the engineer didn't uh, take into consideration deflection, the weight of the concrete can make the, on an elevated, say, a, uh, a steel a steel floor, a slab on metal deck is what we call it, and that floor deflects after you put the concrete down. That's no uh, a blame to the concrete contractor. It could be the engineer's uh, failure to recognize the weight of the concrete, which usually good, good engineers, good structural engineers, they'll have, a, um, they'll actually tell you in the structural drawings how much that floor is going to deflect, and that's where the uh, the live 3D scanning is pretty cool because what guys can do is load that floor with wet concrete and go work another area and that let that floor deflect like the engineer said it's going to do, and then they can go back and and hit it with the machine, and and you can tell them if they're hitting those uh floor
1: flatness right mm-hmm. and then on grade you'll still see a little bit of the curing on the edge right It'll yeah still- some
0: curling curling could happen curling but uh the um and again but to me a concrete contractor's got more control on the slab on grade than he does versus what happens on an elevated yeah. uh steel deck uh obviously it'd be different if if it's a uh it's an elevated structural concrete floor, then mm-hmm. that's all on the concrete guy. But on a on a on a steel building, on a slab on metal deck like you see in these large distribution centers, uh, you know that is a that should be top of mind for any concrete finisher out there and concrete contractor is how much is that floor going to deflect? Yeah, it's not it's not like a slab on grade where you go out there and you're just plowing through that slab on grade and and you're just truck after truck after truck uh, your truck dumping on a slab on grade and things are going great on a slab of metal deck. It's, it's more meticulous because you gotta, gotta be aware of that deflection. And that's where I think that that technology is really cool where you get the live feedback uh, yeah. from a 3d scanner. It says, Hey, that's that, that deck has deflected. You need to go back and fill that hole.
1: So, yeah, we've that, the scanner seems to be taken up. Like I'm um, at Columbus, Ohio state. Um, been on a, actually they're using it there for that example most of the pores i've been have actually always been on gray because those seem to be the higher spec floors because mm-hmm. obviously you can't you can't spec a contractor when they're going up because you're relying on the engineer and the steel to be there so but they do this the, the specs aren't at, <laughs> yeah they do some sometimes the specs they throw on these I, I feel like they don't know what they're asking for they just throw out a number <laughs> and it's up to the concrete guy to be like this isn't reasonable but you also need to do the work but a lot of times I'm out. It's usually on grade data centers or or, or distribution centers like that. Um, yeah, or the dozens of ports I go out to a couple times when they're do, when they're going up. But um, that's where yeah. I think
0: you could help out a lot, Stephen, on those elevated floors. Um, I'm I'm not saying mm-hmm. that this the slab on grade or uh, the slab on ground isn't helpful, but this the elevated floors, in my experience, those are the ones that are tricky. Um, and there's still there's still some you know top uh, clients out there that require a mm-hmm. pretty high level of FF and FF FF, FF and FF net L numbers on those elevated decks because they got robots going
1: across those floors. Yeah, <laughs> so they, yeah. the robots don't like the wavy, the wavy uh, floors at all. No, no, they need to flatten we I mean we have customers doing it just yeah my experience has been limited to the other side, which is always the the super high FFFL FF, numbers lower um but yeah, I'll actually try and make out to some of those larger distribution centers and going up the yeah. only thing I always see for is uh, elevator shafts or stair course oh yeah but usually those are. Not what I love about scanning, it's finding the mistake afterwards and who's responsible and where to fix it, which scanning will do. I like to find the problem while it's going on so you can fix it while it's going up. because generally I could see the tool being used more widely there, which yeah. obviously is my, is my end goal is to have it everywhere. Um, but for the elevator cores or stair cores, when you can actually see them move in and out, um, that's a lot of times sort of when I come out to show people. Yeah, no
0: i that was my first interaction with uh, 3d scanning was uh, scanning walls and finding out where they were um, because yeah that, I, it's it's a long story and it's kind of funny but uh, I'll, I'll save that for another time but uh, yeah that uh, the cores are a big deal because if you're going up you know 12 15 20 40 floors of a mm-hmm. core um, you 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 can't be at again. That has pretty strict uh, tolerance tolerance because of uh, the elevators. The yeah. elevators, the railings and things can uh, for the elevators. Um, they still work have,
1: on gravity, so you can't go too much at an hour. So you get like one inch and a half something yeah. like that but for unfo- tolerance.
0: Yeah, like you said. But unfortunately, I think the most part for most part right now is you're finding out after <laughs> after the fact that there's a problem. Versus, I was thinking maybe if they could. I, maybe there's something out there but if you could put on the on the formwork as you're climbing it up if there's somehow to put like uh uh some kind of prism or something on four mm-hmm. corners of that core and then you had these machines that were kind of tracking those and it, it would kind of beep or yell at you or you get an alert on your phone or something if that thing is
1: not where it's yeah supposed going up all the way i think yeah. good surveyors will do that right and right. be able to follow it um but that's a- you have to know what you're doing in processing to transfer that up to um which not everyone has sometimes the ability and there's a lot going on <laughs> with yeah. most of these projects right so you just kind of lose it every once in a while yeah but i think if uh yeah because uh i mean there's good and bad field
0: engineers out there so some of them are like oh I, c- I can get that thing to come back to where it's supposed to and all of a sudden you're you're 12 floors up and that thing is out of tolerance and you're, you're in trouble because you're running out of floors to get it back to where it needs to be. So if you had something that, uh, had that control and everyone was aware of it because like you said, uh, you know, we're people make mistakes and, uh, but if you had something that everyone like the superintendent or even the general contractor uh, was aware of where that thing is and how, you know, how far it's within or with, uh, out of tolerance. And
1: that's really, I mean, I would tell you to take a look at it with the, the X, with the scanner and then doing it on the tablet. It really is a, about that easy to get really, to really tie it back into control. You will need to have some of that spread throughout yeah. or from your surveyor. Um, but with the X seven and field, like it kind of matches its own puzzle pieces. And then you can see that real time comparison there. Um, as long as you have the control on each floor that you can bring in, um, from the surveyor on site, you can generally tie it back very easily um, yeah. and quickly. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, cool. I think we beat that up enough. Uh, mm-hmm. I, before, before I let you go, I wanted to talk to you about the augmented reality. I, I mentioned that, uh, before we hit record that I had was having a conversation with a formwork supplier and asking them if, uh, we had any augmented reality um uh technology out there for folks that put up formwork you know a concrete contractor put up formwork instead of uh, uh uh the way we do it now but uh i saw i saw a post on linkedin that, that you you all had up there um uh, showing um something with mep can you i guess yeah, yeah. can you talk to where the augmented reality is at this point
1: yeah yeah so um with scanning, you're going to bring in either a PDF or a model. You can scan and compare the as-built to the model down to an eighth inch or so. Um, with the augmented reality, that's using an iPhone or an Android phone or tablet. And what you can do is project the model uh, in a one-to-one scale, or in a PDF, you can scale it so it actually sits on the ground. And what happens is as you walk through the site, uh, because you're – your phone or tablet has a camera and a, a couple other sensors, it knows where it's at and it'll actually update the model. So it'll overlay everything that you're trying to build on site. It doesn't have the same level of accuracy. Uh, obviously, if, if it did, you wouldn't be, uh, Trimble wouldn't be as big as we are. We, we wouldn't be selling all these other instruments that are a little bit uh, more expensive, but it gives you great context in what you're building. And if you, um, could overlay the model for f- form work or the PDF or what's going up. You can kind of place it a little bit more efficiently. And they got anyone on site can generally use this stuff. It's just like using your phone for any other game, it just kind of aligns it and then you walk through. If you see an issue, um, you can either FaceTime someone in and share your screen or uh, take an image or what we call it to do and share that back um, so that you can either show someone else on site or ask the guy back in the office, hey, does this make sense what we're trying to do? And it's just trying to bring that 2D paper plan to the 3D site um, very quickly and easily, uh, which it does. um, And then it just runs through an app. So if you get an email of a a PDF of of that formwork plan, you can pretty easily project it and see, see what's happening and whether or not those stairs or that ADA ramp or whatever, whatever might be in the way is, uh, should be there. we, We have the wrong plans or whatever.
0: So Yeah so uh what i've seen uh, i've seen this a couple times and I, like i said i checked it out your your post this morning the so it looks like what you do is you scan a, like a qr code right and is that qr code then a uh like a uh, control okay. point on the yeah, job site
1: Bunch of them here before I painted the office. Um, it's essentially a control point, right? You would measure it in, if you wanted to be really accurate with the total station, and, and you could use it to actually measure, to set up your total station later, and hopefully automatically set it up in the not too distant future. Oh, But cool. it's just a point on site, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is gonna be like a, a control point that it will recognize, um, or you can manually tell it where you're standing, mm-hmm.
0: right? So. So um, the 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 YouTube that I saw this morning, the, the guy scanned the QR code and then it looked like on the screen, the iPad uh, or tablet, whatever he was using, knew where he was on the job site. And then as he was looking at the iPad, it was showing him what was supposed to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, so and so does it tell you, like, does it... it is it just like looking at a three D model um, that uh, is within the tablet and it knows where you are and you're you're moving around?
1: Is, yeah, as you it, as you start walking through, it'll it'll keep updating the site with what you see, and you can see through the model um, and you can turn layers on and off. Obviously, when you move away from where you set it up, a couple hundred feet or more, you'll see drift, and then you can either scan another QR code or manually bring it back. Um, to make sure that the model realigns. But you'll see, like, usually what I encourage is have a little bit of architecture and what you're looking at and then have, like, the stair or the steel. So you can always make sure that the steel model matches with the steel in real life, and then you'll see the MEP stuff going through or um, whatever. So if you put it in your pocket, it's going to lose tracking, but if you kind of walk it through, it'll always maintain it and be pretty good. So we have a couple large GCs that'll use this for, for checking what's going up. Um... And then my goal is to really just have those QR codes everywhere on every site uh, where someone could scan it. I mean, this is the end goal. Doesn't matter who you are, you could scan it. It'll bring you to the model that should be there. And then any laborer or anyone doing essentially anything on the site can actually get context of what should be there, what shouldn't, and what they're trying to do, right? To hopefully reduce rework, which is just the name of the game, and, and get off the site faster.
0: Yeah. So at this point, it's just it's just uh, taking the model and putting it out in space in front of you, right? It's mm-hmm. not telling. At this point, it's not telling you, "Hey, this is in the wrong spot." It's no, not screaming you, you, at.
1: Yeah. No, you just got to visually be able to see that. That I mean, with scanning, we can we can do a scan to model inspection on the tablet where it'll actually do a heat map of where things hit. Um, but with the AR, we haven't quite done the uh, the automatic. Hey. You know this is wrong, or maybe I should ping that. But yeah. that's the uh, the IoT of things, and kind of I'd say the more forward thinking tech that sh- should be there one day, right? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's too far off. But usually those things are always a little bit farther than you think, too. But hey, I, I moved on from product. I don't really know what's going back on the development side. I know what we have currently today, and yeah, um, hopefully. One day I, I come in and they tell me, hey, we have this now. And I go, oh, "That's that'll be really nice for everyone out there.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it's really big. The augment is really big just to, uh, I think, before whatever's uh, th- installed, you know, like mm-hmm. the MEP one, before the MEP is installed, the, the guys can see what's supposed to be where they're standing, what, what, uh, what uh, duck work, what, uh, you know, conduit and all that stuff and who goes first who goes last? it's it's
1: always who yeah with the (laughs) with our stuff or most projects they'll lay it out or they'll put their sleeves and bang it so they know where to put this stuff but it's always an elevation problem who's putting it in first Uh like if i put the uh the hvac can the plumber get to where he needs to and if you could view that you know the uh the schedule and order of things which is huge and a lot of times where where guys will make mistakes or not guys will make mistakes just where projects kind of get um, off tracks a little bit there. So you been on plenty of job sites where that happens.
0: Yeah. Could you, uh, I, I assume you could do this. Could you, okay. Say you're uh, it's a structural concrete floor. And before you pour that floor, that's above your head, mm-hmm. before you pour that floor, you go up on that, on that deck, on that formwork, scan all the PT and rebar mm-hmm. where it's at and then have that information in, in the cloud or wherever it goes right mm-hmm. go ahead and pour that floor and then um when you go back down to the bottom of the floor or the floor below and the mvp guy which is our concrete guy's favorite thing that they do they start they put uh, screws and and blasting all kinds of things to to install their ductwork their conduit and whatever else lights and all that stuff Going through that deck above, and the, the and the GC always turns to the concrete guy. And goes, hey, uh, where's your where's your uh, PT? Where's your rebar? So we don't hit that stuff. And yeah, you're like, yeah. And w- right now, what we do is on on the on the formwork before we pour, uh, we'll actually take chalk or uh, and mark where it goes. So then yeah. when you pull the formwork off, you see those marks on the concrete, and then yeah. the guys see it now. But I assume now we could use that.
1: Yeah, for me. so the goal, yeah, what, what you can do and what some guys will do is, A, they'll scan before to capture where all the PT cable is. Yeah, um, You can compare back to the model and see if it, it's moved at all. Um, but because the scan is, on you would cover the whole deck, they'd register and georeference. Um, because it's georeferenced or it's tied to coordinate space. Um, after the concrete goes through and is poured, you can always go below and just relay out where exactly that PT is coming. Either using the same tablet and X seven, or laying it out with your total station, so you can tell the guy where he missed a sleeve, where he can go up. Right. Um, usually, what if they, especially if they're doing those decks, they're hoping they're putting their sleeves in before. Um, but if they get moved or if they, they missed them, you know exactly where the where the cable is. Um, so those guys can can core. Um, and it's, how do you share that from the tablet? You, you can either show it to them and field link or the, give it to them as an, art you can convert it to a layout point and share that with them, or you can just give them, um, an RCP or a recap file that they can bring into, to Revit or CAD and they can design where their new, uh, time points or, or hangers going to go. Um, it's really, really pretty easy when you're always living in the, uh, correct coordinate space, you can share that information a couple of different ways and pretty quickly. So important thing is just scan. Yes. Yeah, gather it before you cover it up would be the first thing. Cause if you don't, you got to come back with the, uh, uh, GP, not GPR, um, X-ray machine. And those are a expensive, right? Be harder to get out and not as, not nearly as accurate. So if you can do that before you'll be better off.
0: Yeah, get collecting as-built information um, and collecting as much data as possible. So that applies. Mm-hmm. C- collecting as much data as possible uh, applies to concrete construction. <laughs> <Imagine> yeah,
1: <that. laughs> you, but you gotta, you gotta. We always. And that's one of the drawbacks of scanning is it's so much information. So you want to make sure it's actionable and you, you have your processes set up so you know where to pull it from and how to use it most efficiently, um, yeah. which I think I think we've actually solved most of the problem there. So
0: Yeah, no, this is awesome.
1: I appreciate you uh,
0: coming on the, the show today and sharing this stuff. I think there's a good spot to uh, stop today. I could probably talk to you for another hour about this stuff. I like the field engineering layout stuff. So, uh, but yeah, uh, um Stephen, if uh, folks want to reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing and what Trimble's doing, how, what's the best way?
1: Um, YouTube, online, LinkedIn, um, any of those. We have a, So I work for Trimble directly, uh, but we have a big distribution channel called Building Point 2. Um, for your local guys who can get out on site and actually show you how this stuff works, which is my preferable way to do it. But if, if you want to send me an email, it's just Steven underscore Ostrowski. And hopefully it'll be in this description for my spelling of my last name at Trimble.com. I'll be happy to to talk to you about any of the things we we uh, discussed today. And then if you want to see it on site, either I'll be there or s- someone who I uh, work with can come out and show you. Because that's really the goal, right? Is showing you how to how to use this stuff.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. We'll get all that uh... Contact information for uh for you in the show notes um and people will know how to get a hold of you. Steven, I, I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Seth. Thanks a lot. And uh I'll
1: see you next time you're back in Ohio.
0: Yeah, man. All right. Thank you for joining us for another Concrete Logic Podcast episode. If you got some value out of this or you enjoyed it, please share it with others. And if you could take a moment and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listing app, I would appreciate it. We will uh, catch you on the next episode. And now, Mike Dunton's going to take us out. Thanks.
2: Ring, ring! That alarm always sings. Couple hours for the Open up the side, put some diesel in the lights, and wait till the trucks roll up. And this ain't how most folks live their lives, dripping in sweat, working overtime. But while they're tying their ties for their nine-to-fives, we're out here changing the